Well, what a journey we've been on, huh? What a journey we have been on. What a journey we are on. What a journey. If anyone like my family and I has family in Puerto Rico, my wife's mother's there, you know that they are on a long, hard, tough journey. Let's not forget St. Thomas and Barbuda and all those little islands. Florida, our, our suffering seems to be fading, not totally, but in comparison, we've gotten through it pretty much. But how's your journey going? How you doing on your journey? Good? All right. Where have you come from? You spend time thinking about journeys past? Maybe more important, where are you going on your journey? And maybe the most important question, who is with you on your journey? What a journey this life is. I want to tell you a Minnesota story. I have lots of Minnesota stories, and a lot of them involve snow. Snow. If you've ever lived where there is snow and had to walk on the snow and ice, or better yet, drive on the snow or ice, this is where we're going. We, believe it or not, lived in Puerto Rico for 16 years until I decided to take my wife to Minnesota. <laughs> That's a book I'm going to write later. So one time while we were in Minnesota, and when it snows in Minnesota, you know what? The snow does not go away because it's cold for about six months below freezing. So when it snows, it just piles up, and it's there, and it's ice. Our daughter had gone to somewhere, and she was flying back to Minneapolis. We headed out to the airport, and it took us the airport was 45 miles away. It took us two and a half hours. Um, we saw a lot of cars in front of us and behind us go off the road into the ditch, flashing lights. I was gripping the steering wheel, going about 25 miles an hour. The snow's coming down. There's ice on the roads. My wife and daughter in the car. Luck had a, a trailblazer, four-wheel, but those were going off the road, too. We got to the airport. We're halfway through our journey. Pick up my daughter. Three hours to get home. Because when it gets dark in the snow, in the ice, it gets even more fun. Well, the really fun part of the story was the next morning when I woke up, I had been gripping the wheel. When I put one of my socks on, crunch. My back muscles just snapped, and I literally, literally could not walk for about five days. So we all have journey stories, things we remember, good journeys, bad journeys, but what a journey life is. And I want to speak to you, try to speak to you today heart to heart about your journey, give you a little view into my journey, how we can encourage each other along our journey. So I want to make this very personal. So I'm going to give you some personal information uh, today. 
My wife and I have been married 29 years, and we have moved 10 times. And now they've been some fun moves, okay? Uh, let me get the list here. We went from Berrien Springs to Chicago. We didn't have much. We went from Chicago to Puerto Rico. That's fun when you move across an ocean. When you move across... While we in Puerto Rico, we moved three times. Every time we moved, we had a kid. So I said, we got to stop moving. <laughs> I mean, because this is not going to work. So we moved three times. We had three kids in Puerto Rico. Then I've told you, I took my wife from Puerto Rico to Minnesota. We were on the cold, hot treatment program, Chicago, Minnesota, uh, Chicago, Puerto Rico, Minnesota. And then we moved to Florida where we've moved two times. So 10 moves. Uh, we're on the hot treatment now, and my wife says, no more cold treatments. This is it. Also, to make it a little personal for you, the places that I've lived in my life, I was born and raised in Ohio, my first six years in Ohio. Spent one year in Delaware. My dad was a pastor, so we, uh, we moved a lot. And when a pastor goes someplace for one year, there's usually a story behind that, but I'm not going to tell you that story today. So we did one year in Delaware. Then we had a great five years in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Enjoyed that. Then we went to Ohio, back to Ohio for seven years. I call that my Spring Valley Academy years. Michigan for six years, Andrews. One year as an intern in Indiana. Now, when you intern, you do it for one year. So that's clear. So you know I was there for a year. There was no big story behind that. And then we went from Michigan to Puerto Rico for 16 years, Minnesota for five years, and seven glorious years in Florida. Very happy to be in Florida. But another snow story. If you've anybody gone to Andrews here? Anybody been to Berrien Springs? You know it. You've been there. Okay. And uh, yeah, Bernie was at the seminary, so you got to experience a few winters there. One of the winters there, I went for a walk on a Friday afternoon, and nobody was on campus. And if you know the sidewalks and the trees and the campus, it was snowing lightly. It was a fresh snow. I had been walking, and I looked behind me, and I could see my footprints all the way down those long sidewalks. I looked ahead and it was just fresh snow and I was just thinking, you know, I, I know where I've been, but I'm not sure what's going to happen where I'm going. And when you're in college and you don't have a job and you haven't found anybody and your future is uncertain, you just have to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to work these things out. So all of you have those snow prints, footprints in the snow in your life, you can look back, seeing where you've come from, and you look ahead and see fresh snow and maybe aren't too sure where things are going. Let me tell you a secret. When I'm up here and preaching, I see you guys. I know a lot of you. And a lot of you, I know your stories. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell your stories from up here today, Okay. My dad used to do that to us as kids, pull out the surprise, tell a story about his kids during the sermon, and we didn't get previewed of that. And uh, we had fun discussions in the car. Usually my mom was leading in the uh, counter-criticism. But I see you guys, 
And most of, a lot of us pastors, we know many of your stories, your journeys. Unfortunately, there are some of you that we're not totally aware of, we would like to be aware of. All of us today are here at a certain spot on a journey. And every one of us has a story. It may involve loss, may involve a sickness, may, if you're a parent, you have stories. And let me tell you, like me, if you have adult children, we have stories. You may be a grandparent, you know, so there may be financial stories, family stories, work stories, you know, all kinds of stories. Every one of us has those footprints in the sand. So here, I'm going to insight again. I love to walk at the mall. I love to walk at the mall. And I am fascinated by the people walking at the mall. Most, oh, I left my phone. I left my phone in my office today. Most of the people at the mall are walking like this. They're looking down. And usually I have to dodge them. But I see stories. I see people in wheelchairs. I see young mothers with two or three kids. I see people's faces that look stressed, that look heavy. I see some people that look too happy. I'm not so sure what's going on with them. Uh, but all these people walking around the mall, I think every one of them has a story. So all of us spend time reflecting about our past, thinking about our future. We are on a journey through life. So just think about where you're at now, where you've been, where you're at. My great-grandparents came here from Czechoslovakia in the early 1900s. My great-grandfather's name was John Euskert. He brought his wife Pauline here. They had four little children under the age of six, four of them. My great-grandfather owned a grocery store in Chicago. My great-grandmother Pauline did not speak any English. Four little kids in Chicago. One day it was payroll and my great-grandfather and his brother were putting the payroll together. Somebody came in and robbed them and murdered them. Burned the building down, destroyed the evidence, my great-grandfather. My great-grandmother, Pauline, is in the United States in a little town called Chicago, speaks no English, and she has four little children. I cannot imagine what her life journey was like. The little I know, and I met her one time, I was about five and she was about 95. I remember her grabbing my cheeks and squeezing my cheeks and saying, Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. What I do know is she got a job as a janitor in the public school and raised those four kids as a janitor. Somehow made it happen. And I think what a journey she went down. My great-grandmother, Rebecca Gal, who was a member in this church 30, 40 years ago with my grandmother, she came across with her husband from Romania, same time, right before World War I, about 19, 13, 14. Her husband told her they were coming for a short time. She never went back. 
She lived to be 100. Don't ask me how, but she tells the story that he would lock her in the house when he went to work every day. And she said he would tell her, you're so beautiful, if I let you out, somebody's going to take you. Okay, that's, I guess if you're going to lock somebody in the house, that's one of the nicer things you can say to them. She never learned to drive. Um, she lived in America, had six children. One was my grandmother, Mary Uskert, who was also a member of this church. John, um, Steve and Mary Uskert are buried over here in Highland Memorial Gardens, where a lot of our loved ones are buried. So one day she was working in the garden. She met a lady. They started talking. The lady was an Adventist. She invited her to church. That's why I'm here today. So I think, what a story. You leave your family. And she went back to Romania 60 years later. She had like seven sisters. She said they were total strangers. I mean, you didn't have email. You didn't have phone. You didn't little. So I think, wow, what a journey they went on. I bet you have stories of your family and your heritage. So my grandpa Steve, who I'm named after, we went on a journey once when he had to leave my grandma in the hospital in Ohio, and he wanted to go back to Chicago, see the places where he grew up. So we went back to Chicago. He hadn't been there for like 25 years, walks into McDonald's, and someone says, hey, Steve, how you doing? Somebody recognized him. After 25 years, he had been a policeman there. He knew the town. I was like, whoa, wow. So then he wanted to go see where he worked, which was the Crown Point um, Courthouse, which is famously known for where John Dillinger escaped. He escaped from that prison, Chicago. So we go there. He wanted to see where he worked. The roof is off. Rain is dripping in. It's, they're not using it anymore. He says, let's go inside. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But one thing I learned is I don't argue with my grandfather very strong-willed. We go inside. There's papers on the desk. He picks up a piece of paper, and on that piece of paper, it says, call to patrolman Steve Uskert. His name on it. He got so excited. He took that. He said, there was a big steel door. He said, let's take the door. I said, I don't think that's a good idea. And I was driving a little Omni. Do you remember the Omnis? They were like as big as a Pepsi can. So I, I convinced him that taking the door, he wanted to tie it to the top of the car and drive 300 miles home with it. I convinced him that wasn't a good idea. But the final stop on our journey was he wanted to go to his dad's grave, who had been murdered many years before. We went to his dad's grave, and I watched my grandpa, who I'd never seen cry because he was a tough guy, a John Wayne guy, a macho guy. I watched him cry at his father's grave because he never knew his dad. His dad died when he was like six months old. So I have that special memory journey trip with them. So I think, wow, the journeys we've been on in life. And I'll tell you real quick, with my dad, my dad, Walt Sherman, we went on quite a journey with him. He had open heart surgery when he was 42 years old. 
So for 25 years, we walked down the road. He had three total open hearts in his life, and we always lived in fear of something happening to him, but God was merciful to him. So you have those journeys. You have those illnesses. You have those family issues. You have those histories. What a journey life is. But I would propose to you this. Where does our journey begin? And I'm going to give you some scripture. Jeremiah 1.5. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So I would propose to you that our journey begins in the mind of God. Our journey begins in the mind of God. And it continues to birth, childhood. Not everyone gets past that stage. Elementary school, youth, high school, work, job, some college, university, young adult for some, marriage for some, parenthood for some, middle age, I'm there, I think, senior age, retirement, and then comes on our journey, death is a part of our journey. And as pastors here, we face it all the time, all the time. I'm thinking of Renee and Dora Perez, who used to sit like in the third row here. Went to her funeral this week. She's sleeping in Jesus. What happens at that point in our journey? I would propose to you that we go where we began, to the mind of God. A lot of times people ask, where are the dead? And we know the dead know nothing. They're not alive. They're not looking down. I believe I would propose that they are in the memory of God. They are in his mind. My father, your love. God remembers them. Will he call them forth? Will he recreate them? Will he resurrect them? Yes. Amen. So we have this journey in life, and all of you are at the different stages. Some of you have finished uh, raising kids and have adult kids. Some of you are grandparents. And many people ask me, what's the biggest difference between being a pastor and a principal? And I'll tell you the biggest difference is that I am much more aware and involved with your issues of pain, suffering, illness, and death. And many times you invite us as pastors into your journey, and you allow us to walk on parts of your journey with you. But we can't be there all the time. So take this away with you. Only Jesus can walk and be with you every moment on your journey. Only Jesus. How about Joseph's journey, real quick? We're going to do like Sesame Street. We're going to use the word P here. We're going to focus on P, the letter P. Joseph started in a privileged life, did he not? He lived a privileged life. Somewhere along the line, he got thrown in a pit. He went from privilege to the pit. He went from having water, electricity, sewage, and everything one day, and it's all gone the next. Drastic wipeout of living. Privilege to pit. Down. It's in the pit. But then he gets a lucky break, and he goes where? Where? 
Potiphar's house, privilege, pit, Potiphar. Unfortunately, when you have Potiphar's house, you get Potiphar's wife, who somehow, we know the story, he wound up in prison. Privilege, pit, Potiphar, prison. Man, that's a roller coaster, isn't it? We're told by Ellen White that he was in prison for 10 years. You know, you read the Bible story and it's like, boom, 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 boom. Okay, I can handle that. And she says that he suffered every humiliation known to man. So you can just imagine the rough time he had in prison. Privilege, pit, Potiphar, prison. But then he goes to Pharaoh. It's a P, but it sounds like an F. Pharaoh's court. He's up with Pharaoh. He lives, he serves, but like everyone on this earth, he eventually perishes and dies. But before he died, what did he say? Let's look at Genesis 50, 24, 26. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. He perished. Down arrow. Exodus 13, 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under Solomon, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. In his journey, Joseph knew they were going to go to the promised land. But he knew something else. He perished. His bones went to the promised land. But he's got one more big up arrow. Promised land in heaven. Hebrews 11. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Final up arrow, here we go, promised land, heavenly country, where we're heading. Is that good news? On our journey, we know where we're heading, where we're going to wind up. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Are you assured? Certain? They embraced these promises. They confessed these promises that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Anybody old like me remember John Wayne? Where are you going, pilgrim? Pilgrims on a journey. Pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland... And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Here's the clincher, 16. But now they desire, what? A better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed 
to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What a journey Joseph went on. What a journey you're going on. What a journey I'm on. So many ups and downs. Are you up today? Are you down today? The same can be said for all of us, ups and downs. And how about the journey Jesus took for us? Man, talking about the ultimate down, king of the universe, born a baby. And he was not born into privilege, was he? He was born into poverty, into poorness, into not the easiest of life. He was born. He had a childhood. He lived his life. The death, of the, death on the cross, from sitting on a throne to being nailed on a cross for you and me so that we could not end our journey in the grave, but our journey will end in his country. Here's a good up arrow. He ascended. Disciples watched him. Gone. Now, his next coming down is a big up arrow for us, the second coming. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. He's going to come down and take us home, and our journey will continue. What a journey. What a Jesus. What a hope. So let's look at our little guy up here. Um, you ever sort of been where he's at? You're sitting in the sand. He's got dirt all over him. You know, he's been pushing that little bike somewhere. He's sitting there. He's thinking. Maybe he's thinking about what comes next. What do I do? We all have been pedaling that bike. We got dirt on us. We're contemplating. We may be seeing if life is heavy, oh, what a journey life is. Or if things are good, we may be saying, wow, what a journey life is. What a great journey. And you know when you're down, it's hard to listen to people that are up. It really is hard. When things are going great for you and you're down, I wonder where he's at, what his next thought is. It looks like he's sort of absorbed in the moment, but he's going to get on that bike and keep going. And so we must move forward on our journey. We travel knowing that Jesus is with us and leading us every step of the way. And I want you to think about this when you think about what a journey life is. We never walk alone. And one of the great things about church is you don't have to be alone. There are others who are traveling with you. Now, if you're shy, you may want people to come up and get to know you. If you're like me and you can't get enough people, you go out and grab people. But whatever the case is, if you feel alone here at church, I want to encourage you to try to find a person or a group that you can walk on your journey together. And here's the other. Let's throw this out. Let's invite people to church. Let's bring friends to church. Let's bring neighbors to church. Bring them to worship. Tell them, don't tell them you're bringing them to Sabbath school because first of all, they're not sure what Sabbath is and not many people want to go back to school. Hey, we got a Bible study. We got a fellowship. We're Christian believers. We're Seventh-day Adventists, but everybody's welcome here, right? Come on in. So I want to challenge you for those that you can invite people to come walk with you. We never walk alone. 
Jesus is always with us. Always with us. Always. What a journey. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we all are here at certain points in our life. Some with sickness, some are down, some are depressed. Some of us are doing good or happy or up. Some of us worry about our families and places around the world that are struggling. But one thing we know as we look at our footsteps in the past that you're walking with us and as we look into the future, we know you're going to be there with us and we know we don't walk alone because we're here among a family of believers and you are always with us on this journey. So as we travel out, may we keep this in mind. May we never lose hope as we head for that heavenly country to be with you and our loved ones forever. Amen.